Do you happen to have a chance cube? I don't, but I do have some dice from Marvel Dice Throne. Coming soon, Marvel Dice Throne is a fast and fun board game for all ages. Each player selects one of eight heroes to face off in a head-to-head battle to see who earns the right to take the throne. Gameplay involves strategically rolling dice to activate special abilities, playing unique hero cards to manipulate results, and upgrading your hero board to power up your stats. The project is currently being crowdfunded on Kickstarter, so head there now to check out their Kickstarter exclusives and reserve your copy today. Hello there, I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. We're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy storytelling, so of course we love Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely does not have enough of, it is nerds talking about Star Wars. So we are journeying to a galaxy far, far away to discuss what's new in the Star Wars canon and beyond. This is yet another Star Wars podcast. This week, we're taking a look at the fourth episode of the newest Disney Plus show, Star Wars Visions, with The Village Bride. Are you ready to be carried up a mountain, Anders? That actually sounds really appealing right now. (laughs) It's a long day yesterday, and it's been a long morning so far. So, yes. Someone carry me somewhere. (laughs) I I concur. It has been a really long... It's already been a long weekend, everyone, and it's only Sunday morning. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So jumping right in with our technical details, this short was produced by Kenny Miss Citrus. It was written by Takahito Onishi and Hitoshi Haga and directed by Hitoshi Haga. The voice cast for the characters F, love her, Saku and Haru in the original Japanese are Asami Saito, Maria Issei, and Megumi Han. In the English dub, those characters are voiced by Karen Fukuhara, also love her, Stephanie Shea, and Nicole Sakura. With a runtime of 19 minutes, this is the longest short we've seen so far. Very interesting. And so what happens? So this film opens up on an absolutely gorgeous, very lush green planet. Uh, a mass tra- traveler who is F meets an old man, Falco. Old man? <laughs> Look, he absolutely has that old man vibe. I know he's still very strong and he's not that old, but oh, okay. you see him with the scanner thing. It absolutely looks like an, an Obi-Wan-esque old man. Oh no, not that. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Valco comments, makes some comments about the Empire not being able to find F here. Uh, they pair up observe this kind of traveling couple Asu and his bride Haru on their way to a sacred site once they arrive Haru and Asu begin this chant that they are the sky the forest and the river and they are thus able to summon the Majina enveloping them in this really gorgeous blue light Mm -hmm. Haru sees this projection of memory with her her sister and Asu playing in the river F can see the vision as well, and Velko explains how the people of this world just have a deep connection to the planet. F realizes that her master actually had deep roots here, and the Separatists have ravaged this place during the course of the Clone Wars. F and Velko eventually sit in on Asu and Haru's wedding feast that night, and it's revealed... Drop in. <laughs> yeah, th- why not? <laughs> I have actually learned it is surprisingly easy to just walk into a wedding. That's fair. No one knows you. No one knows anyone. I know. It's revealed that the following day, Haru is going to be taken away by bandits who have reprogrammed the battle droids the Separatists left behind. And she's going to be a hostage to keep kind of the rest of the village in line. Uh, Haru's sister is protesting this, desiring that they instead they stand and fight. But Haru says, no, she's made her choice. She's gone as she's going to go as a hostage, actually in place of their grandfather, who is the chief. 
So later that night, F is meditating, doing a little stone levitating. Uh, when Haru comes across her and asks about the Majina, they discuss that they really don't have a, how bad a feeling they have about this. No one's got a good feeling about this. But F isn't sure that her getting involved in fighting is going to lead to a good outcome for the yeah. village. So at sunrise, we see F cutting her Padawan braid, and she finally kind of takes her mask off. The raiders arrive noting that Haru will serve as good insurance against any unnecessary conflict between them and this village, but they're going to take out some additional policies as well. Uh, so some battle droids march out, and they have Haru's sister in bonds, mm. revealing that she was planning an attack, and so the bandits have decided to make an example of her. Suddenly, F appears and uses the force to really halt this blaster shot. It's a really, really cool shot there. Yeah. And with Valko's help, she ignites her saber, defeats the raiders, causing kind of what's left of them to scatter. Yes. End of episode. It was really good. At least it opened for a lot of different stories to be told. Yeah. We could follow F on her adventures. We could stay with Silver Fox Valko on the planet and see what's going on there. (laughs) Which I would be here for. Give me a Valko show immediately. That would be cool. (laughs) I'm here for it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, so getting into just kind of our overall reactions, I've said it a couple times already, this might be the most beautiful episode we've seen so far. I love the setting, the colors, everything about the way this looks and feels. Now, this more than any episode of Visions left me wanting more. You kind of hinted at how it does that in a good way mm-hmm. with kind of what's left. I feel like there's a lot of story left to tell here. Tell here. And maybe something a little longer would have kind of filled in some of the gaps and explained this world more because it did actually leave me a little unsatisfied with what we ultimately got. Yes. Again, great storytelling because it leaves you wanting them to make another one. But I was also like, could you spend just like a little more time explaining some of what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Like make it like lo- 30 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, even it's only 19, maybe even like 22 would have been, good like i really don't feel like i got a good understanding of what was going on like with the memory Mm, what's up with that sacred site like it was cool visually Mm -hmm. and i liked it but i was like what purpose is this serving here right there's a gap in knowledge too or is it only haru who can see it because yeah more sensitive so she can see it yeah i i I just i didn't get it right we need more (laughs) yeah Another 30 seconds right in there of explanation would have done would have done wonders. Right? Like even Asu being like, can you see it? And she's like, yep. And he's like, that's so awesome. You're gonna be my wife. And you're <laughs> like just explaining that, like, even though they're all connected to the planet, not everyone is force sensitive. Like, unless this is Mace Windu's planet where everyone is force sensitive. Yes, this is true. I mean, that that could be it too. Be like, are we on Mace's planet right now? <laughs> be really cool. Um, I, this is one of my favorites of the entire run. I love it. It's so beautiful. It climbed up in, from my initial rankings a lot on the rewatch. Like I just really enjoyed it. It's simple, but so beautiful. This is one of the most beautifully animated things I think I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like for like, holy crap, it's just stunning. The music was perfect. I loved the vocal performances. Um, I want the sequel immediately <laughs> or the prequel. Give us F 
and her master. Like, I want to know what her master was like and how he knows Falco. Like, what is going on with that kind of relationship? How does Falco know F? There's just a lot going on that we need to know. Like, I guess not need to know, but want to know. I like that each character had a lot to do and mm-hmm. was interesting in their own right. I want to see more of all of them. Like I said, especially Velko. <laughs> I just want to see more Velko. <laughs> just like, going about his daily duties at the village. I'm here for it. Uh, the biggest theme here is accepting oneself. I love that. And I love that F pretty much takes everything into her own hands. Like she kind of knights herself here. She cuts oh, yeah. afraid off, takes her mask off and is like, fuck it. I'm not hiding anymore. I'm going <laughs> to do what I want to do. I'm like, yeah, you get it, girl. Plus, she's doing this in heels, everyone. Heels. Of course she is. She looks great. She's got this footwear on that is probably only being able to be used by a Jedi. <laughs> it's great. I did love that the character design parts were really very cool. Yeah, they were. All right. Well, before we move on, we're going to take a quick break to hear about some other podcasts from the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we preview and review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow critics and podcasters. The NOMCAST is available on NOMCASTpod.com or wherever you get your podcasts, on the socials at NOMCASTpod, and is a part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey there, I'm Mr. Black. And I'm Mr. Green. And we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store. Together we host the Pint O' Comics podcast, where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies, TV, comics, music, or just whatever. Starting very soon, we'll be joining up with the fine folks at Forgotten Entertainment, for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino. Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ooh, that's a bingo. All right, everybody, we're back. We're going to start out with our questions for this episode with the anime studio behind the magic. This is Kinema Citrus. They have a pretty impressive pedigree. They were formed by former employees from Projection ID, IG, sorry, and Studio Bones. They have a lot of titles to their name. They're most famous for Black Bullet, Made in the Abyss, and Rising of the Shield Hero series. Hmm. Uh, Production IG might sound familiar because they're a part of the Star Wars Visions family as well. The Village Bride has also recently been, been put forth as a potential Oscar nominee, which is really cool for a Best Animated Short Film. I don't know if this is the one I would have picked out of really? the out of, out of oh. the nine. Out of the nine, I think yes. th- I think there's one or two I might have actually I might have put up. I mean, it's still going to be a good contender. Like, yeah. and I mean, I haven't seen anything else that's being put up for nominee. But if it gets nominated, I'm going to say it should probably win. <laughs> Yeah, I think so, too. I think this one is the most cinematic, which is probably why they picked it. Mm. Like the visual style, just the the contained story part works really well for what the Academy looks for, I think. Yeah, and it would be super huge for Kinema Citrus if they got a freaking Oscar. From this. And, you know, Disney, they're always ready to, like, push the Academy Award agenda. They're ready. Oh, always. They're super. super they, they make the machine move. Yeah. Exactly. They can do it. I believe, I think that they could definitely win. This is just such a stunning short. (laughs) 
you're like, I'm sorry, competition, but every single nominee in this category this year is from Star Wars Visions. <laughs> they probably could have. They probably could. I mean, they're different production companies that made the shorts, so they could totally do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on to our Japanese cultural or anime influences here, we have the reverence for the natural world. Japan is really well known for natural elements like the cherry blossom trees and bonsai trees, which are adorable, the little mini trees, both of which are more like cultivated parts of nature. Uh, According to an article from Nippon.com, which was written by Toya Menobu, the mixed ecosystem surrounding the traditional Japanese rural community is referred to as Sotoyama. Although the rich flora and fauna, the woodland around these villages is not virgin forest, but the product of many years of careful tending and stewardship by the local residents. This is true for lots of parts of Japan because it is heavily populated. So a lot of their natural light elements are gone. They've basically been taken for resources. So the cities and the villages kind of have these cultivated forests that you're not supposed to touch. Like nobody is supposed to do anything with these forests. They're made to be a quote unquote natural part of Japan. Like, even though they're supposed to be protected, they have been hurt by industrialization, but there is a concerted effort going on to keep most of them intact as possible. Probably why they're big on imports. Japan. Yeah. They like, we're beautiful. Our country's beautiful and we want to keep it beautiful. It is a beautiful country. I do want to go there someday. Mm-hmm. Take me to Okinawa like right now. (laughs) All right. Next up is the family and clan obligations. So a very large component of Japanese culture is the need to protect the collective, Mm -hmm. especially the family. Japanese culture does not emphasize the individual. Instead, the needs of the many always outweigh the needs of the few. So I had to give you some Star Trek there. (laughs) Absolutely. Always. So those who have obligation to a larger community, like Karu and her grandfather, must make those individual sacrifices to keep the community safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so Haru is making this sacrifice to to keep the, the village safe as a whole, but then she's also very connected. She's keeping specifically her grandfather safe mm-hmm. because he will do good for the village, probably in her mind more than she will as its right. chief. And it's their job to represent the village as a whole, not one person, and lead by example. Right. Which is very sad. Like It's very sad. I, I wanted to hear from the grandfather a lot. Like, how was this decision made? One of the more things they could delve into later. Like, why, why was this? Why did this happen? <laughs> yeah. Do we ever even really see the grandfather? I don't think. You see him, but he doesn't get, like, any lines or anything. Yeah, we don't get, like, a nice little scene where he even, like, tries to stop haru and she's like no i've made this choice i'm doing it like they just have that with her sister yeah they tossed aside all of the other old characters except valco (laughs) (laughs) which is fine (laughs) next up we have droids it is not star wars without droids they are a massive presence in all of the short films including one of them he even gets to be main character talk about him in a couple weeks Mm -hmm. uh so the droids we get here are really Roger, Roger, we get those battle droids, <laughs> prequel era battle droids, uh, voice in the English version, at least, by none other than Matthew Wood, who provided the voice throughout several other animated series, Clone Wars, um, and he was the voice of General Grievous in Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. uh, as well as playing Bib Fortuna in that stinger at the end of um, The Mandalorian Season 2. 
Mm-hmm. He's busy. <laughs> He's very busy. He's a Star Wars vet. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, we will have our Star Wars connections, callbacks, and homages. Um, this one, I mean, we already referenced Star Trek at one point, but not a Star Wars connection. Uh, that scanner at the beginning, though, definitely look, to me looks like a tri- tricorder. Yeah, it really did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, next, we have the probe droid. Oh, he's got to have a probe droid laying oh, around. Gonna... Yep. <laughs> He looked really cool too. Like he was like overgrown all around him, and mm-hmm. just another like nature will find a way to take yeah. over industrialization if you let it. Like nature can't be stopped, basically. And then the way the two characters uh, they engage with that stone to generate the memories. Again, I wish we got a little more explanation around this, mm-hmm. but it seemed very much like an homage, maybe to rebels and the Lothal Temple needing to to open it. Yes. Needs to, you need to have, needs a, a master and apprentice, but in this case, it needs two spouses who are connected. Mm-hmm. That's so sweet. <laughs> that just makes me think about Rebels, which of course is going to make me cry everyone. It's fine. Uh, next, we have the planet is dealing with the end of the Clone Wars. So we have a pretty much definitive space and time when this takes place. This planet is said to have been ravaged by the Separatists, which is. Which, if this really is what cool. ravaged looks like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> pretty good <laughs> I, I don't want to discount the number of losses they probably endured but right. yeah i'm guessing that like a lot of people were taken or killed because yeah. it seems like there aren't very many people yeah which could be what happened <laughs> which is really sad fucking separatists yes and like we said earlier those are the classic b1 battle droids from the prequel era and the clone wars mm-hmm. they must be easier to reprogram because i didn't see like any b2s or anything yeah, I'm going to guess um, it could also be that um, maybe, especially if they're like earlier gen, then it's probably easier to like centrally hack them. Mm. Like the difference between the Phantom Me- Phantom Menace all being controlled from the one ship versus Attack of the Clones where they're mm. <laughs> separated out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's put them all in a network and see how that goes. <laughs> Everyone, it did not go well for the Separatists in yes. that aspect. <laughs> Next, we have the floating rocks. We've seen this before. Luke has done it. Yoda's done it. Ray did it. I mean, it, we've seen this before. It's great. I love these little kind of telekinesis exercises that the Jedi do. It's kind of like to clear their minds and just make them more one with the place they're at. And it kind of makes me think that F is trying to connect with her master a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like she's maybe she hasn't used the force like at all since order 66 so this would be like she feels safe enough to do it out in the open could be yeah and then she gets to have a chat with haru which is great (laughs) uh next up i mean she and haru have that little conversation they have a bad feeling about this of course you have a bad feeling about this this is star wars you're not allowed to have a good feeling about this it's always a bad feeling (laughs) only the one time was there a good feeling about this (laughs) and of course it was han so that makes sense yeah Speaking of Han, the bandit ship looks a little like a modified Millennium Falcon. It's probably another Corellian design. Most likely it's been modified from a YT-2400, which was Dash Rendar's style ship Mm. from the video games. That's at least what it kind of looks like with the saucer and the little jutting out bit, (laughs) which has been referred to as the Chevy van of Star Wars, which is great. (laughs) They built so many of these damn things. It's the soccer mom. 
yeah exactly the sacrament <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> the leader of the bandits it's like yeah i took this off of a middle-aged woman <laughs> with a lot of children in a sears parking lot <laughs> yeah what is star wars version of sears because that's totally where they got this fucking shit. <laughs> And another ship, F strip, is the Z95, which is another Clone Wars era ship. Yeah, like a more kind of Jedi E style. They really tied everything in with the Clone Wars with this episode. They really did. Which was very well done. Yes, super well done. Like they didn't make it obvious. And they they only really talked about like the separatists and things like that. It wasn't like Clone Wars. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, they had to have the Padawan flashback to when F presumably lost her master yes which was also very well done more of that please we want more of that <laughs> backstory <laughs> all right now it's time to move into our power rankings so every week we'll decide where this falls in our power rankings so colleen let's start with you uh of the episodes we've done so far does the village bride belong above or below the duel above Above. All right. So it now has the number one spot on your list. Yes. (laughs) Don't have to. uh, We didn't. I think we're going to diverge here. (laughs) I think we are. I think we are going to diverge here. So my number one is currently sitting as the duel. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say that the village bride does fall below the duel. I think the duel is still number one in my book. Next. Does the village bride belong above or below Tatooine Rhapsody? It's actually, this is a really tough one, actually, because I like them both for very different reasons. Right. They're very, very They are different. very different. <laughs> but I think I'm still going to, I'm going to say it goes below Tatooine Rhapsody. Whoa. I'm putting it below Tatooine Rhapsody. <laughs> and then lastly, does it belong above or below the twins? It belongs above the twins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely belongs above the twins. Yeah, like still everyone, the twins is good. We're just saying it's not as good. It's just not as good. <laughs> I don't know if I could have predicted that I was going to make that call, like after based on like my initial watch. But all right. So, yeah, we have diverged a little bit. Colleen now has the village bride, followed by the duel, followed by Tatooine Rhapsody, and then the mm-hmm. twins. And then my number one is the duel, followed by Tatooine Rhapsody, followed by village bride, followed by the twins. There we go. <laughs> This is getting harder. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult now as we get further and further. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So now that we're done with our rankings, which are just going to get more difficult as we go along, we're going to head into our recommendation section. So this short film reminded me so much of Hayao Miyazaki's beautiful animated films that he did for Studio Ghibli. Uh, His imagery and designs are flawless. If you watch any of these movies, they're stunningly beautiful. The stories are timeless. They're very imaginative. Uh, The Village Bride reminded me most of Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke. Spirited Away deals with a young girl coming of age and trying to save her family. And it is set in a very fantastical world. And then Princess Mononoke is about industrialization and trying to meld nature and industry together so that the environment isn't destroyed. Big vibes of Princess Mononoke then for The Village Bride. Both of these films have really fascinating characters. Even the villains are super complex, which I really like about Miyazaki's work. Layered motivations and backstories for the villains. It's great. Do yourself a favor. Watch all of them. 
like you don't have to watch them in order they're not connected really some of them are maybe finely connected but not a lot they're usually separate stories I would start out with these two though they're so good one morning though in researching Miyazaki's films you might be like oh I'm gonna watch more of Studio Ghibli which yes do it they're great they also made the movie Grave of the Fireflies though be careful (laughs) careful when watching this movie it's stunningly animated but it is one of the most devastating movies I've ever seen in my entire life ever this movie is depressing with a capitalized d through every letter in that word (laughs) like this is a very difficult movie to watch very important for japanese animation japanese culture it's about the devastation that occurred during world war ii Mm -hmm. and it set her on two children (laughs) a brother and a sister (laughs) yeah yeah Mm. if you do choose to watch this just make sure you're like in a very emotionally prepared space and have many boxes of tissues close by. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah, I, know, so, I have to put that on there. I'm like, warning. <laughs> so animated movie, standing up to fight the gangster that's threatening to move in and level everyone and everything you love if you don't pay the proper tribute. If you're into that premise, I'm going to suggest you go back to the early Pixar days and check and go rewatch A Bug's Life. Yes. <laughs> I have not watched that movie in so long, but it was like, I was like, I was thinking about recommendations for this like well what what can i connect to this i was like this this is a bug's life yeah yeah it is or three amigos (laughs) 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 both are so good i love a bug's life i think a bug's life is adorable so so cute like pixar really can do no wrong it's kind of like hayabizaki like just go and watch all of these animated movies (laughs) And you're good to go. Luca was underrated. Mm-hmm. It do, don't get me wrong; it is, it does not hit the highs of their of their top movies, but it, it was really good. It's adorable, everyone. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. Um, join us again next time when we will be continuing our visions journey with the Ninth Jedi. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at yaswpod. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts and check out all the offerings from the Forgotten Entertainment family at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can also find Colleen and I on the Bohemian Geek Studies podcast where we are diving into Star Wars Rebels. And then you can also find Colleen's Star Wars book reviews on BohemianGeekStudies.com. Until next time, bye everybody. Bye everyone.